few months back, my friend Josh Harris asked me if I would be on his podcast. Now, when you hear the name Josh Harris, if you've heard of the name at all, you are thinking one of two things. Number one, you'll think that's the guy that wrote that book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, a long time ago. And then he shot up to be one of those Christian celebrities and did the speaking circuit and all that other fun stuff. Some of you might hear the name Josh Harris and you might think, well, that's the guy that wrote the book. He was a pastor, but he deconstructed his faith and is no longer walking with Jesus. And whatever it is that you think about when you think about his name and who he is, um, I want you to listen to this podcast. And I'm so thankful for this because right out the gate, the first question that he asked me was, so Matt, is it bad for your brand for you to be on this podcast with me. And what I love about even just this medium of podcasts is that I love having great conversations. And every once in a while, have you ever had the moment where you're sitting with somebody, you've had coffee, and it was just a life-giving, enriching conversation. You said, man, I wish I could just relive that conversation. What I love is that we get to have a good conversation and press record, and we can go back and we can listen and enjoy. And so, I am thankful for this. And Josh, thank you for this. Um, this is me being on his podcast. And my hope is that one day that we would have Josh on our podcast here, but asked him if we could replay this so you can hear a little bit of my background and my, my backstory and really the heart again behind what we are trying to do uh, with the Life After Ministry podcast and, and on the bigger scale of all of these things, pastoral transitions. So sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation with my friend, Josh Harris. Leaving a job is never easy. Whether you are being let go, whether you are choosing to transition, most of the time, not a fun experience. It can be stressful. It can be a moment of isolation a moment of asking some pretty deep questions about who you are and what your life is about and what's going to come next. But all of that becomes even more complicated when your job is wrapped up in a spiritual tradition. My guest today is Matt Davis, who pastored for a number of years, left pastoring, had to step down from that role went through some very difficult struggles in that transition and has now helped to start an organization that assists other pastors who are transitioning out of pastoral ministry. So churches and nonprofits are hiring Matt and his team to consult them and help them provide coaching and counseling and career guidance to men and women whose lives have been upended by a pastoral transition. So this conversation uh, hit some very personal topics for me. I don't talk about this a lot uh, on the podcast, but my background is that I pastored a church for 17 plus years, and then I left that role. And that was a difficult decision for me. It uh, it came with a lot of baggage, a lot of uh, personal pain and disillusionment and 
confusion along the way, but I, I experienced myself the challenge of starting a whole new career and working through all of the disappointment in what I thought my life would be and what I thought I'd been created by God to do and so on and so forth. So this conversation really um, was very meaningful to me. I, even though I, I have a different uh, perspective on faith now and, and even a different perspective than, than Matt has, I really appreciated getting to have this conversation and hearing about the work that, that Matt is doing. So for those of you who are, are listening and you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't come from a church background, I'm, I'm not into religion, I don't understand uh, you know, what it's like to, to be a pastor that doesn't really appeal to me. Totally understand that, but I think that this conversation with Matt has a lot that you can benefit from because it it's going to help us ask some questions like, how does your personal experience tie into the business that you start? Matt has helped to start this organization, and it is very much tied to one of the most painful experiences of his life. And now that's shaped the work that he's doing. Um, it also helps us ask this question of how does an organization off-ramp people well? What does it look like to let people go? It's inevitable. It's a part of running an organization. It's a part of leading a good business. But what, what are some of the facets of doing that well? How does having your personal identity wrapped up in your professional identity affect affect you when when it's time to step aside. You know, maybe you're not in the the church world, but maybe you'd say, yeah, you know what? My own personal identity is very much tied to this job. Have you thought about what that means for when the job changes in the future? Maybe that's a scary question. And another thing that we're going to talk about in this interview is how does all this impact your family? You know, when your career um, is wrapped up in who you are and your identity and your community. What is the fallout, not just for you, but for your kids, for your spouse, when, when there's a change? Big questions, important questions. Here's my interview with Matt Davis. Well, I want to I want to just acknowledge the elephant in the room. Let's do it. Which is, <laughs> which is that I left being a pastor mm -hmm. after seventeen years of of serving in that role, and then in a very public way had my own you know process of rethinking faith, whatever you want to call that, deconstructed my faith, and so you and I might be at at different places when it comes to belief and and faith. I love that we're having this conversation. My question for you is, is it bad for your brand to be seen talking to me? That, that was my, <laughs> that's my concern. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a genuine question. Like, how do you, how did you think about coming on and having this conversation with me? Yeah. And I'm thinking, is it bad for your brand to have me come on? <laughs> so I was thinking the same thing. It's all good. No, uh, I, I think this is the, this is the issue though, right? Josh, like we don't talk about these things and mm. we've, we've created walls and we've created division and yeah. I think that, that we have to do this differently. And so, yeah, I, and it's been a little bit since you and I've caught up, but, um, 
I, I'll say that I've gone through the ringer and back and mm. I've, I've had my own pastoral transition. This just wasn't, I didn't wake up one morning and say, uh, Hey, we got to do something about this. I lived right. through it and it yeah. was hard. So I yeah. think we, you and I both went through a very similar experience of mm. a public exit out of church. It, yeah. it was not easy. There was a hard road. Um, and, and I even just like you walked with me through some of that mm. early on and I was a bit of a mess. Um, and not that I'm all put together even now, but, um, that, that process of, of coming mm. through it, I, I, I think this is good for, the brand, um, because I, <laughs> I want people, I want us to be able to have good conversations about it. And I, I think there's that. a difference between like, Hey, you go to your corner, I'll go to my corner and yeah. we can have peace because we never interact or let's actually just come to the middle. Let's see where we have some common ground and then let's move forward and, and see what we've learned in the process. I, I think that's so, that's so healthy. And I, I respect that, uh, that's so much because regardless of, you know, your camp, as you put it, or the sides or all the divisions that we can have, like being able to agree, like, wouldn't it be great for people who are transitioning out of pastoral ministry, regardless of your viewpoints, regardless of your politics, regardless of, you know, whether you're liberal, conservative or whatever it might be, can we all agree? Like, it'd be great to, to take care of those people so that they have a healthy family, healthy life, you know, that that transition is as as beneficial as possible instead of negative and harmful. And so I, I just love that, that we can have this, this dialogue. I think that's really good. You know, someone might say, you know, hearing this, um, why do pastors need special support? You know, people change jobs all the time. You know, this is, this is a common occurrence. I guess my question for you is if you're speaking to people who don't have a religious background or even more specifically, don't have a knowledge of pastoral ministry, Mm. what would you say to them to explain the unique challenges of being in a pastoral role and then stepping away from it? Uh, So I I would explain this very personally. Um, And there's some of the obvious, right? Like when you are in a church and you're a pastor, it, this is not your nine to five clock in clock out, right? You're available. Mm-hmm. And what I hear from, from people coming out is I invested myself into that community. And mm-hmm. my wife describes it as you become woven into the fabric that, mm-hmm. you know, there's the, there's the, the wisdom literature that says that a cord of three strands is not easily broken, but that like church life is this fourth strand that gets Mm. entangled into everything else that you do. So it's part of your family, your community, your friends, your kids, friends, your school, all of that stuff becomes intertwined. And so it's really hard when you start to pull that, like, this is not just a job, but it was our way of life. Like, Oftentimes that pastor has to leave that community and it's not just finding a job, it's finding a new everything. And the harder that process comes in the end, the the harder it is to kind of unravel and untangle Mm -hmm. all of that. That makes so much sense. I I guess, uh, why, why is it that I I think this is, (laughs) this is necessary just because of the dynamics, but why is it that the pastor has to leave so often that community? Why can't he just, you know, not be the pastor anymore, but now he's just a member of the church and his family and his kids and all of those things don't have to be affected. Yeah. So 
I want to explain that by telling a story because that, despite my exit out of ministry at my church, I was there for 22 years Mm. and my kids were part of the school that was attached to that. And I was friends with these guys and I had made a series of mistakes that really like I was, it was telling not just for the elders at the church, the leadership, Mm. but also for us that I need to, I need to not be here in this spot anymore in a Mm. leadership position. And what, what I was asked was, um, we still want you to continue to come to the church. Um, and also they actually made that request to you. Like they, they said they wanted that. They did. They said, we want to do, we want to do this differently. And, uh, and I'll tell you, like they wanted that far more than I wanted because I was like, (laughs) get me on the first plane out of here. Um, and, and really to the extent that it was hard for me for a while. Like I could not shop at Trader Joe's in my own town because people Mm. would come up to me and like, Hey pastor, I mean, wait, um, Matt, like, yeah. what do I call you? Right. Like, so it's so awkward for them. It was awkward for me to have to take care of them. Wow. So I was going like 20 miles away to the grocery store over there. Um, but I remember the first time that we showed up and came back to church after my letter of sin <laughs> was read mm. um, and how hard that was. We met uh, with some of our friends at the church and they formed what was like a Roman phalanx around us. Right. And mm. they just walked us in. We got there a couple minutes late, but they walked us in and we sat in the back and they surrounded us. Mm. I remember one of those moments as we're walking in and uh, turning around and my wife is 20 feet behind me. And later on, we would process that and people were coming up to me and wanting to talk and everything else. But my wife would later say that day, she said, this is what it's like. You're the sun and I'm the moon and everything revolves around you. Mm. And that really was the moment where I realized like, this is going to be really hard. And that she's been really in many ways, because I made it everything I made, I made my work, everything. And that was some mm-hmm. of where I got out of balance, but it was hard for her. And if we were going to be healthy as a, as a couple going forward, that this plan had to change. So the, the need to, extricate yourself from that, that cord of community and and so on is, is not always just an issue of the church saying, well, you got to leave, but there, there can be reasons on both ends where it's just really difficult to, to stay in a community when you had a certain role, when you had a certain position. And I, and I know from um, just my own personal experience, it can be hard for the leadership team. Like they might want to be supporting you, but then you're there and people are looking to you or even like, Oh, what do you think of what the, what the new guys are doing? Like, there's just a lot of complication, which would be true in a business context. It'd be true in a, you know, governmental kind of context as well, that the old guy usually needs to, to move on uh, and make space. But it's just really interesting to hear your experience that like for the health of your own marriage and your own healing, you needed to, to step away from that, even though that was the community, even though that was the place that you'd built for, for so long. Um, your website, if I could just, uh, I'm just going to read part of your website, which is, you know, coming from, we, we've both been in the marketing world. This is a big compliment. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that you're behind a lot of this great content on your site. (laughs) I spent some time. I spent some time. (laughs) Okay. But you've got a section here where you say, what are some of the challenges facing outgoing pastors and their families? And you, you have this list, which is quite powerful trauma, 
A wide range of emotional, spiritual, and relational trauma is experienced by a pastor and family members. Loneliness. A pastor and their family lose relational and spiritual support from the members of their church community. Finding employment. The average pastor takes a year before finding a new job, and they frequently switch fields. This one was one that I hadn't thought about. Unemployment benefits. Pastors are not usually eligible for unemployment benefits, and many church leaders do not know this. Financial devastation. Transitioning out of ministry causes financial hardship for pastors, resulting in housing relocation. And then the last one, spiritual deconstruction. Coming out of church ministry, pastors experience spiritual deconstruction, and their future ministries suffer. That's quite a uh, that's quite a heavy list of of challenges. Any yeah. any of those in particular really stand out to you from your own experience or what you see hitting the pastors that you help the hardest? Yeah, well, I, all, all of these are here because I experienced some form of every single one of them. Mm. Um, so it it is a weird thing to have a brand, a ministry, a website where it is so personal, like other than like a personal blog. But, um, you know, like when you, when you buy a new house and you have like the huge stack of paperwork. And I remember a realtor saying that this, every piece of paper represents a lawsuit (laughs) they're trying to cover themselves for. Um, I feel like every word on here is, is because of some shared or felt experience, something that I've gone through personally or, or the two that I get to work with. Um, and, and we've, we've seen this, we felt this, but, um, the loneliness is always the one that stares me right in the face. And I've never Mm. seen like a little icon image of the little dude sitting on the bench that looked and felt like me for so long. Um, that going from your face on a 20 foot screen and not being able to go to any place in orange County without somebody knowing you Mm. being known, uh, to moving into a season of loneliness, Mm. It's hard um, feeling that and feeling the the air being pulled out from your lungs and from your community. You feel like you you dropped an atom bomb on this community yeah. and the air mm. got sucked out and you were the one that dropped it. And mm. and that's that's hard. And so people do pull away and it's hard to kind of figure out, well, what's next? How am I feeling about this? And, mm. and different people and friends are going to respond differently. So... Uh, that loneliness uh, was very acute for a long time, mm. and then we moved to Kentucky where we knew nobody, and then it just, and then there was COVID, and it was like, <laughs> oh gosh, wow, this is this is lonely. So we're we're rediscovering community and what that mm. looks like, and and trying to feel connected again. Mm. Are there any um, are there any parts of your own your own story with pastoral transition that uh, that you want to share, just in terms of of how that unfolded. I mean, you, you referenced earlier that there were mistakes that you had made, but you know, the people you work with, they could be transitioning because boy, they just, somebody on the elders board decides this, this person needs to move on or, you know, there could be all kinds of disagreement and so on. But what was your, what was your unique experience? How, how much of that kind of thing are you and your team dealing with, uh, as you, as you help other pastors? So I, 
I did not, and I, I want to make it clear, I did not go out to start this as like revenge against my former church community. Like, <laughs> I'll show them the pain. Um, this this right. actually found me. And uh, one of my partners, his name is Bill Tom, had been in the marketplace for a long time as a Christian. But what, yeah. he, what he focused on was... Uh, helping people with career pivot, job changes, job transition. Oh, amazing. And he yeah. kept getting ex-pastors coming to him. Really? He kept getting these guys who were let go from the church yeah. who had really horrible stories. And Bill is an empath, and he's been in that kind of work for 35 years. And he just thought, this is uniquely uh, hurtful. This is uniquely painful. And he would even say that he would weep with these people as they're sharing their stories. Oh, my and I, gosh. I started to realize, like, this is not a unique thing. Um, the, our other partner, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist, was a pastor's kid um, whose father okay. continued to get moved from one place to the next. And he just developed a heart. He was a missionary for a while, but really developed a heart for people that were uh, were hurting. And so yeah. we came together and found each other uh, as a result. In fact, it was uh, the chairman of the elder board who went through my process, who was the one who told Bill, my partner, said, hey, you should probably talk to this guy, Matt. He went through the experience and lived to tell about it. So that was the beginning Incredible. Of, of how pastoral transitions started. Bill had this idea. He says, how can we make this better? And so we get to meet with men, uh, women, people who are in nonprofits, people who uh, are part of higher education. Um, mm. And and these are folks that are are just struggling coming out or your leadership uh, and you're trying to figure out how do we do this well? Um, mm. And we just don't know the path. We don't know everything that they're going through, but we want to do this well. And I'll mm. never forget, Josh, um, it was two months after we... Uh, we're, uh, we're out of, I was out of ministry, out of my position, and we're now still going to the church. And there's a guy who came up and uh, it was after service. And he looked at me and he said, pastor, I don't know what you did, but I'm sure as hell glad that the elder board doesn't know what I've done. Cause they would have kicked me out a long time ago. And I realized, <laughs> I mean, that's wow. a, isn't that that's a crazy, a, that's, like, a that's a great a, statement. Yeah. And I, I just realized not only are are people watching, but the world mm -hmm. is watching um, yeah. how we do this. And um, so let me just, let me just underline yeah. what you just said here and see if I understand it. This is a member of the church who's saying, I'm watching from a, you know, a few steps removed, mm -hmm. how you're being handled as a leader. You're being, you know, you're at being asked to step down because of whatever standards and so on. And that's communicating a big message to him <laughs> that, whoa, like, I don't want anybody knowing my business because I'd be getting the boot here too. So it's like how we treat leaders communicates to everybody that's watching. This is how we view, you know, flawed, imperfect people. This is how we treat people. And that's yeah. a, that's a huge lesson. Like a, it's like a, a big teaching that's taking place about how people will be treated. And I think the message it sends is that we, I, the response is one of two areas. I think it either sends us into performance where mm -hmm. 
we're going to make sure that we are we never above screw up. board, right? Never yeah. screw up. Never screw up. That's good. I love that. And, or the other way is not, it's not performance, but it's protection. And when we're in protection, mm. we go into hiding yeah. and anything that it's, it's like, we always used to say high school students were the best poker players because they would never show their cards. They keep them really close <laughs> to themselves. Right. Cause you know, like once a sec that, that high schooler like shows their mom, like, Hey, uh, I smoked marijuana, like, and they freak out then. Right. Right. So, we, we go into hiding that kid says, I'm never showing that card again. And so yeah. I, I just realized like in that moment, this guy who's making this observation and it, I, it didn't, it didn't actually hit me in that moment. I just thought how profound it was in that mm. moment, but it's become more profound to me is that the people are watching and, and I want to make sure that we are doing this well so that we don't take something that's already hurtful mm. and make it more. So why do you think churches seemingly handle this poorly. Like your, your partner, uh, was helping people pivot in their careers. And he starts talking to all these pastors that are transitioning out of being pastor, you know, in out of pastoral ministry. And he's noticing, Whoa, this is really bad. Like this, there are a lot of bad experiences here. What are the contributing factors? Why, why is that, uh, such a common theme? I'm not sure that churches do this uniquely horrible. I think it, just as humans that we mm. don't let people go, we we're, we're not good at separating. Um, I've had, I've lost contracts with people. I was recently let go from a major employer on the marketing side of things and it, it, it didn't go well. It wasn't done with grace. Like it, it was painful. It was hurtful. I think the hard part with doing it within the Christian context or the church context is it feels like we should know better. Like, yeah, if, if you do this poorly, it's, mm. it's off brand, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It makes sense. It, I, so I don't think that doing it poorly is, is a church thing. I think we all do it poorly. I think it, we're just mm. not supposed to, and, and we are still, and that's the place where I want to be able to step in and say, there's a better way to do this. Yeah. It's, and I'm not, I'm not even an advocate for like, we should never fire people. There are people who deserve and ought to, and I should have in mind as well. Um, so that, that no, is not the fair. solution, yeah. right? Like yeah. people, it's a necessary thing, but we don't have to do it in an unnecessary way. I, I really respect that answer uh, because it's something that I have been learning in my, my own life. My experiences were so tied to, the organized church, specific denominations, and so on. Mm. And so in a lot of different categories, I can think, oh, wow, this is really bad. These church people are really bad. But as I'm just like out in the world, having more experiences, interacting on, you know, in businesses and other organizations, other groups of humans, you start realizing, oh, wow, no, no, we just all suck at this. Mm. <laughs> I just got a particular experience of it uh, in the church. And, um, and so I, th but I do think that's true. I think that there's this expectation, maybe a higher expectation because, you know, we're God's people. We're, we love one another. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, you know? So there's like this greater expectation. And so when that severing takes place, if it's not handled well, even if it's handled well, it still hurts even more. Because it feels like what you're you're firing me as a brother or sister. You're you know what I mean. Like you mix all those things together. Um, but I just realized as you're talking, like yeah, I I had my own negative experiences, but I also as a leader in the church made many of these mistakes. 
And oh, I yeah. think some of the ones that I think about and people that I, I let go and, um, you know, the, I look back, those are probably some of my biggest regrets. Not, not that again, not that you can keep everybody on staff and those types of things, but the way that was handled, the relational fallout that takes place. And I think the thing that I see often is you have to make decisions as an organization, but I think there's a greater temptation in the church to turn those performance issues and those kinds of decisions into like character issues. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's easy to mix in <laughs> these other categories because it's not quite as straightforward as, you know what, youth pastor, you know, Bob, we, we're not hitting the numbers. We're not getting enough teens in. We're not, you know, whatever it becomes. More like, offering. You know what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, you know, you're not being as specific as a business can be, but instead you kind of turn it into, well, you know, we just sense that you're, there's just not the, the gifting or the integrity or the whatever it's somehow it becomes these moral, you know, character kinds of things. And that can be devastating, I think, to the, the people involved. Yeah. I don't regret it letting people go. And I was, I was an executive pastor, teaching pastor. I've let lots of people go. I, it's not the regret. I think every person I let go was never gratuitous, right? There's always mm. a financial issue or like, you got to show up, but the ones that hurt, the ones I think about are the ones mm. that I just, I didn't, I didn't act with grace. I didn't, mm. uh, I allowed them to feel the shame of the moment instead of mm. offering forgiveness and like, it, this, it's not going to feel like this forever. Yeah. Um, it still pained me, but I just, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. So I would do it very differently now. The world seems more divided than ever these days. And I've read different articles about pastors experiencing transition because of shifts that are happening within congregations politically and, you know, all kinds of things like that. Do you see something unique happening in this era of the church in terms of the number of pastoral transitions or the upheaval that's taking place? Is it is it unique or is it just normal and you guys are wanting to to help improve it and make it a more healthy process? Well, first of all, there's nobody doing what we're doing. There's lots of people in the church world talking about succession and, you know, Mm. what do you do? How far should you plan out budget wise? What do we need? But there's nobody looking and really essentially we're, we're an outplacement service, right? But, um, we're, we're trying to do that through the lens of let's be gracious about how we do it. Uh, I I was actually just in Dallas this week and got to spend some time with David Kinneman of Barna research. Mm, And so that's the group that puts out all the stats about all the, you know, Christian things that's happening in the in the country, in the world. But an interesting statistic uh, is that it, it, on our website, I think it says 42%, but he just adjusted it. So I got, this is fresh, hot, hot off mm. the press, but 39% of pastors are thinking about leaving ministry altogether. Just wow. done. And that number has gone up uh, in the last couple of years from 23%. So um, it's interesting that it's, and I, I have a friend that, uh, he is a former pastor and, uh, he, he tells this story. He, he tells this story ab- about being in the church 
um, but waiting too long and and struggling uh, too much. But he says that he probably stayed in his position for two years too long. Um, that he he was asking himself questions like, "Well, if I'm not a pastor, what am I going to do? This is like." What do yeah. I do with like a seminary experience, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. um, so we're looking at like, I, I, I worked like, you know, do a Amazon warehouse or I'm driving Uber things. I, I, yeah. There's all these things, but what do you do? Is my family going to live underneath uh, a bridge? And he said, it was my skittish, scared soul that kept me in that position for two wow. years too long but i see it and i think it's it's the divisions that you see um mm-hmm. where whether it's a social justice issue um mm-hmm. whether it's just really like we I, I think we miss i miss the old arguments i miss the complaints <laughs> about um the the temperature in the auditorium and the volume <laughs> of the worship I mean, don't oh, you think those, that every pastor, the good old days yeah the good old days right like get me back to those days but um, you know, it's, it's the reason I have the hat on that I have now is it's, it it means multiply, not divide. Uh, and, that. you know, we, we, we decided we couldn't have any merch that said pastoral transitions going across the top. <laughs> Nobody would wear that. Can you imagine like your pastor coming one day and saying, but essentially what we said was like, what's our message and our message yeah. is we, we want to grow this thing, but we've not done it very well. We've been mm. dividing it for far too long. And it's not, what's great is like this little hat is, has created more conversations than Mm. anything else than any, like, you know, what would Jesus do stamp or Mm. anything else I've ever done. Um, this, because, because we feel it, what this, so many people can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. What happens in the church is a microcosm of what we see. Mm -hmm. We have these racial divisions. We have sexual identity divisions. We have all of these divisions Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's just not supposed to be this way. And so we're not going to, we can't solve all of the problems of all the world, but we've decided here's one slice of the pie that we want to take on. You mentioned the unique challenge that a pastor faces if he or she wants to change vocations. And obviously there's, there are deep levels of community and all those kinds of things, but just the practical level of that is a very specific niche training and qualification that doesn't translate well to the broader marketplace. You know, if you have a seminary degree, if you have, you know, this resume that shows all this uh, service and leadership in the church, that's not going to be viewed with the kind of respect and appreciation, you know, in the corporate world. So I'm just curious, like, do you, do you encounter that frequently where people are saying like, I just from a financial standpoint that the not knowing where I'll work or what, how to, how to have a new career that that actually keeps people stuck in a role that they're, they're not thriving in or they don't, they don't want anymore. Yeah. Not, not only that, but I think it keeps people who probably should have retired 10 years ago, they're still in their position. So I, I don't think that we do a great job even financially to make sure mm-hmm. that we're setting somebody up for success. But I, what I hear oftentimes is it feels like the clock is ticking. Mm-hmm. You feel the clock ticking. And so, so these are people that are, that are uh, headed towards retirement and they're, they're basically saying, I want to hold on to my role as the lead person because that this is all I can do. Or there's yeah. not a financial, there's not the financial support to take care of me. 
they, they didn't, maybe, maybe it was their fault. They didn't save for retirement. They weren't ever getting paid enough. Or you have yeah. a pastor who's getting paid a salary that is far. I mean, I was in Orange County, California, right? So you mm. can, you know, if, if you're a pastor making $35,000 in Orange County, you're, you're going to also be on welfare, right? Like you're not yeah. going to make it. Yeah. So uh, how do we make sure that we're compensating well? So yeah, there, there's certainly some of those, those situations. And I think it, it runs the gamut, but they're asking the question, what am I going to do? And you're trying to figure out like in in some cases you're disqualified. You shouldn't be in ministry or whatever that looks like, but, um, you, what, what can I, what do I have right now that I can actually use to be of Mm -hmm. benefit? Because this whole, I was a pastor, which used to have this respect, but I also kind of messed that up. And so now what am I going to do? And that's a unique, um, I think a unique challenge to being in ministry, being a pastor that along the way, when you're making those decisions about what you're paid or the sacrifices to not have a backup plan, you know, vocationally, not have a backup plan of education or whatever it might be, those decisions are respected and awarded along the way, awarded in the sense of honored Mm -hmm. because you're doing it for the Lord, you're doing this for God. Sacrificial. Sacrifice. Yeah. yeah, it's sacrificial. And so I just imagine, you know, somebody listening going, well, why would they make those decisions along the way? That's so dumb. That's so, so short-sighted. And I think that's the piece that's that's unique about this vocation and and if you know, career path, if you will, that there's often this priority on sacrificing because it's not, you know, it's it's for the Lord. You're doing this because it's a calling. It's not just a job. It's it's part, you know, God calling you into this. Those are really powerful and life-shaping um, convictions. Mm-hmm. And then when you get hit with the very mundane issues of retirement and what if, you know, people want you to move on, but this is all you've got, or the church is firing you for whatever reason, or you have a moral failing that, that disqualifies you. Like (laughs) it's like all of a sudden it's gone from spiritual and warm and, you know, calling to hard facts, like hard realities of life. And that is, that can be brutal. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's oftentimes it, you know, I, I think that we have these seasons of life and uh, there's a great author, Walter Brueggemann, and he talks about these seasons and he, he works through this, like everything's going fine and we're okay. And it's a season of orientation, but Mm. oftentimes without warning, we are thrust and find ourselves into that season of disorientation. It's, Mm. it's that wilderness season where we're asking like, yeah. What, what just happened? I, I hear people say that, that we got, I got blindsided. Um, I wasn't expecting it coming. Somebody even just said last week, um, that their boss said, as long as I'm here in this position, you've got a job only to find out you don't have a job anymore. Um, and, and then what wow. we want, what we long, cause when, when you're in that season of disorientation, you just want to get back to orientation. Just take me to how it used to be. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you can ever go back. Um, yeah. and, and he introduces that third season is a season of reorientation. It's not mm. what it used to be, but it's a new normal. And mm. if you asked me in my first couple of weeks coming out of being a pastor in ministry, I would have said like, I, that's all I, I, I'm tall. I'm good for It's all I've ever wanted. It's all I mm. want to do. And I'm not sure that like, 
if I if I could in the season of reorientation, I think I'm out of the wilderness. I think I'm out of disorientation mm. now. Thank goodness. Mm. But if I could go back to that that mat that was in the beginning of that disorientation, self-imposed disorientation, I would say, don't go back. There, there's a promised land ahead, and mm. but you're gonna you have to keep get, moving forward. Yeah, you gotta get through this season. Could you give me um, some examples of what it looks like for your team to work with people? And I'm imagining there are different categories. So first, that pastor who is feeling the sense of, I I think I need to make a transition. I don't want to be here anymore. How do you work with that person to help them think about other careers and and then... And then I, I want to kind of switch it to organizations, like whether it's a nonprofit or a church, and they're saying, hey, we want to do a succession well, or we want to you know, move this person on well. How do you work with that organization? I just love to hear those, those two sides of it. Yeah. Anticipation and time is going to make all the difference, right? So unfortunately, we're finding people who are finding us after it's too late, after they've been let go. Okay, so yeah. and, and just from an operational standpoint, generally it's the church that is hiring us, bringing us in. Okay. Um, and then we're consulting them and they're saying like, how do we do this? Well, how do we message this to the person that we need to let go? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we stay on the same team? How do we now message this from the pulpit? How do we mm-hmm. tell the people in the congregation? congregation and what are the things that we can do along the way that preserve dignity and mm-hmm. honor them as they're going out. So um, oftentimes when we're working with the organization, we are we're helping them to really kind of figure out what does healthy succession and communication in that process look like. Good. If somebody's exploring and they're in that like, I'm not feeling this or I don't, I don't, I, I wanna I wanna do something else. I feel called to mm-hmm. do something else. Um then we're going to work with them and say, here are some areas that you can think about, but let's, let's have a good conversation with your leadership and let's see if we can help walk mm. you through. And so specifically what we do is we're helping those outgoing pastors and their families in the areas of career coaching and counseling. Um, and so, mm. you know, Bill, our CEO, who spent all that time in the career space, he has assessments, he's an engineer and he's analytical. Oh my gosh, that's great. He sees patterns, but he's been doing this for 35 years. So mm. he can help. But, you know, I didn't, I came out, I was like, what's LinkedIn, right? I'd, <laughs> I'd been at one spot for <laughs> 22 years. I yeah. never, last time I filled out an application to work somewhere or do a, you know, I was working like pizza delivery back as a teenager, right? Like this was the one job I has in the, had not as an adult. So right. we're working with interview skills. How do you explain to somebody you're interviewing that you just got kicked out and you were a pastor and you know, so anyway, that, that piece, that, that career piece, but on the coaching mm. side, we pair you with somebody who has been through it. Um, somebody who's either an ex pastor somebody who's gone through a season of change, a coach, um, or we'll, we'll work with life and leadership coaching, but then we also come alongside with financial coaching and how do we look at, you're going to come out with like a 403B, which is like a pastor retirement plan. What do you do with that? And how do you set up mm. guardrails financially to make sure you're okay? And then on the last step is counseling. And 
we need a lot of counseling, right? And mm. so we we look at and we we basically triage this situation. Some people they might say like I'm just going to grab a job with my father-in-law doing construction, and they're fine. They don't need the career piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'd like to at least say like where are you at? How are you doing? What can we do with that? But that counseling piece it is traumatic a lot of times. And, yeah. and how how are you dealing with that personally? How's your spouse mm-hmm. dealing with that? What what's going on between the two of you? Um, and I, I remember uh, being in in the pool the day that everything was announced on a Sunday morning and we just got the heck out of town and we went mm. to San Diego and we were at a hotel for a couple of days and just remember being in the pool with one of my kids and he looked at me and tears in his eyes. And he said, daddy, I liked being a pastor's kid. Mm. And you just realized like this, this just impacted everybody. And mm-hmm. this is going to take a while. This is not, you know, an easy cleanup. And so, we're, we're there to walk that journey with them so that hopefully the elders, the, the leadership of a church or an organization, they can come alongside. They don't have to. I had guys like, hey, I have a job lead for you or have you tried this or here's a good counselor. They don't have to figure that out for yeah. an outgoing person. They can just be a friend. That's so good. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, the, it's obviously there are real limitations for the leadership team to be able to provide that, that counseling, right? They, you know, even if they really care about the person, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to be the one to, to have those conversations and provide that kind of counseling and care. So I I love that your organization is doing that. I I just think it's so, so powerful and so needed. And, um, man, I mean, it just pierced me to the heart when you told that story about your, your son in the pool, because, you know, watching the, the decision to step down for me, move, you know, away from our community. And, and I, I really think, um, speaking of the church that I was a part of, they really cared for me well in terms of, you know, blessing me, honoring me, sending me off. I was the one that was initiating that, that change in role and so on. So I'm very grateful for, for that and all the ways that they provided care, but boy, the impact on your kids, mm-hmm. you know, their whole world, their whole world is that community. And as you put it, their identity, even if they never thought about it before, is wrapped up in being a pastor's kid. And so there's just a lot, a lot that's being processed. And I'm so grateful that you and your team are doing this work. Like, again this podcast is, is primarily about, uh, great messaging and business and that type of thing. But boy, regardless of where anybody is in terms of their views of faith, like you meeting human beings at a unique juncture of confusion, you know, wandering in the wilderness, as you put it and helping them find a way forward. That's just that's just the world needs more of that kind of, of spirit and, uh, approach to, to life. So thank you, Matt, for, for the work you're doing. I'm just, uh, I'm cheering you on and really grateful that even through the hard parts of your story that you've, you've somehow taken that and you're now using it to, to bring help and healing to other people. So good on you, man. Well, thank you. And I'd say, you know, my background, I'm Jewish, which makes everything really confusing. But what I would say, there's a phrase in, in the Jewish world, it's tikkun olam, and that means to repair the world. And mm. the story that goes along with it that the Jews tell is that uh, one day a rabbi goes up to God and says, 
God, there's so much pain. There's so much hurt. There's so much suffering in the world. Um, why don't you do something about it? And he, he turns around and looks at the rabbi and says, I did. I sent you. And I just realized for me, uh, my identity was wrapped up in being a pastor. I thought that being a pastor was a calling for me, but really it was just an assignment. That's what I had mm. to do for that season. Uh, my calling is to bring repair. And I think that that's really all of our calling. If we can all mm. pitch in and bring repair where we can do that, then I think the world becomes a better place. And from Christian faith, we're, we're bringing healing. We're bringing kingdom um, in, in that place too. So um, that is our heart. And I, I hope it encourages anybody, whatever stage of the journey they're in. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Life After Ministry podcast. If you are navigating a ministry transition or you're in a ministry leadership role and you see a change on the horizon, the worst thing you could do is do this alone. We have two Facebook groups that are designed just for you. One is called Life After Ministry, and it's a group that offers community and support for those who are in transition. The other one is called The Elder Hub, and it's a resource center for ministry leaders. These communities are designed to give you insight, advice, and answers for your questions. We also have pastoraltransitions.com, and there you'll find articles on everything from messaging transition from the pulpit to what does it actually look like to become a community known by our love in every season. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. Your support helps us extend our reach and communicate this message. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Shalom.